RTHK News. It's one o'clock. I'm Andrew Shirovsky. The headlines. Four people are released on bail after being arrested in connection with a fund to raise money for the legal and medical fees of anti-government protesters. The Bar Association criticizes a call by a group of U.S. congressmen for the U.S. to impose sanctions on national security judges and prosecutors here. And University of Hong Kong medics warn there is a potentially large COVID-19 cluster developing in and around Kennedy Town. Four people have been released on bail after they were arrested last night in connection with a now-defunct fund that raised money for the legal and medical fees of anti-government protesters. National Security Police confirmed they had arrested four people aged between 45 and 90. Sources said two of those arrested were Cardinal Joseph Zen and the singer Denise Ho. More from Todd Harding. The others detained were former lawmaker and barrister Margaret Ng and cultural studies scholar Hoi Po Kung. All four were later released on bail pending further investigations. The Vatican had expressed concern over the reports that Cardinal Joseph Zen had been arrested. Organisers of the 612 Humanitarian Relief Fund ceased operations last year, soon after National Security Police revealed they were investigating the fund. The Bar Association, the professional body for Hong Kong barristers, has criticized a call by a group of Hong Kong, excuse me, a group of U.S. congressmen for the U.S. government to impose sanctions on national security judges and prosecutors here. Jimmy Choi reports. Seven Republican lawmakers wrote to U.S. President Joe Biden last week saying national security judges and prosecutors here should be subject to sanctions for contributing to the failure of the People's Republic of China to meet its obligations under the Sino-British Joint Declaration and for implementing the national security law. In a statement, the association said it deplores and condemns any attempts to interfere with the operation of the city's independent judiciary and its administration of justice. It said there can be no question of the integrity and independence of Hong Kong judges, adding that their appointments and the discharge of their duties are free from any political considerations. It also said lawyers should not be subject to illegitimate pressure when defending or prosecuting. The University of Hong Kong's Faculty of Medicine has warned that there is potentially a large COVID-19 cluster developing in and around Kennedy Town. In a social media post, the school called on all students and staff to refrain from visiting the area for lunch or engaging in any mask-off activities for the rest of this week. It did not give further details. State media is reporting that a Tibet Airways plane veered off the runway and caught fire this morning in the city of Chongqing. The Xinhua News Agency quoted airport sources as saying some people were injured in the incident at about 8 o'clock this morning. The airline said all passengers and crew had been able to evacuate. A geriatrician has questioned how long Beijing can continue with what she called draconian measures to tackle COVID outbreaks. Jean Wu from the Chinese University's Faculty of Medicine was commenting after the World Health Organization called China's zero COVID strategy unsustainable. Foreign Ministry spokesman Zhao Lijian labeled those remarks irresponsible. Professor Wu told RTHK there was insufficient evidence to show the effectiveness of locking down entire districts, as opposed to simply locking down a single block where an infection was found. If you detect a few cases, what is the area of isolation? What is the evidence to indicate what the area should be? I'm not aware of any studies to tell you that, but it seems to me huge areas are locked down with consequences. For example, in Australia, they have a block. I think in Hong Kong, too, if you identify people in a block, then the whole block is shut off. 
and then you test everybody, and then you detect cases. So that's just one block, right? So I think cutting transmission is certainly important, but how you do it depends. Mainland has recorded 1,852 new local COVID cases. About 80% of those were in Shanghai. The financial hub also reported the deaths of five more COVID patients, all of them over 80 and suffering from other existing conditions. Beijing logged 46 cases. The provinces of Hunan and Liaoning each found about 90 new infections. An official from Shanghai's health commission, Zhao Dandan, says the situation in the city is improving but cautions there's still risk of a rebound in infections. The number of newly infected patients is on a downward trend, and the number of new positive cases found in non-quarantine areas is decreasing. The risk in the community has come under effective control. A 45-year-old man has died after sustaining serious head injuries at a food factory this morning. Police were called to the scene at Amoy Food in Taipo Industrial Estate at around 8 a.m. The Labor Department said it's looking into the cause of the accident. Showers and thunderstorms continue to affect Hong Kong, which fortunately escaped the worst of the torrential rain battering southern China yesterday. Macau and other areas yesterday announced that schools would be closed due to the downpour. There was speculation that Hong Kong would follow suit, but a former assistant director of the Hong Kong Observatory, Leung Wing Mo, from the Meteorological Society, cautioned against creating a false alarm. Keeping a warning as far ahead as 24 hours could sometimes give rise to false alarm. So it is a balance. We want to give adequate warning to the public in a very advanced stage, and that will be very good, of course, if the forecast is correct. But it would be a false alarm disturbing the public if this is a false alarm. Researchers from the University of Hong Kong say they've made a significant discovery of fossils dating back between 200 and 420 million years. They say the ammonite and trace fossils discovered in Shamchung in Saikung and at Center Island near Taipo are the largest ever found in Hong Kong. Professor Chan Lung Sang is from the university's Department of Earth Science. This time, through several expeditions, we were able to find some significant pieces among them, an ammonite fossil, which is likely one of the largest ammonite ever found in Hong Kong. And another one is a, a trace fossil with uh, all sorts of uh, worm burrows and uh, evidence for, say, previous life form in um, sort of like a mud flat and also found in the Tolo Channel area. So I think those pretty significant findings in, in terms of fossils for Hong Kong. The Monetary Authority in Hong Kong has stepped in to defend the Hong Kong dollar for the first time in one and a half years, mopping up more than $1.5 billion from the market early this morning to stop the local currency weakening and breaking its peg to the U.S. dollar. The Hong Kong dollar has been softening in recent months as U.S. interest rates rise while a surfeit of cash in the local banking system has kept Hong Kong rates pinned down. The aggregate balance, the key gauge of cash in the banking system, will decrease to just above $336 billion tomorrow. Turning overseas, a bill that would protect nationwide access to abortion in the United States has been blocked in the Senate. Democrats tried to introduce the measure ahead of a Supreme Court decision, which is expected to overturn a ruling that established abortion rights in the 1970s. The U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris had this reaction. Sadly, the Senate 
fail to stand in defense of a woman's right to make decisions about her own body. And let's be clear, the majority of the American people believe in defending a woman's right, her choice. This vote clearly suggests that the Senate is not where the majority of Americans are on this issue. The Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said the result gave Americans a clear choice for November's elections. Elect more pro-choice Democrats if you want to protect a woman's freedom and right to choose. Elect more MAGA Republicans if you want to see a nationwide ban on abortion, if you want to see doctors and women arrested, if you want to see no exceptions for rape or incest. North Korea has officially acknowledged its first outbreak of COVID-19 and ordered strict lockdowns in all cities. State media said the country's leader, Kim Jong-un, had chaired a meeting to discuss what it described as a grave national emergency. Here's the BBC's Jean McKenzie. The first case of the highly transmissible Omicron variant was detected in the capital Pyongyang four days ago, according to reports in state media this morning. North Korea sealed its borders to travel and trade at the beginning of 2020 and has claimed until now to have kept the virus out. The regime hasn't released the number of cases, but for it to admit this publicly shows it's concerned. No one in the country is known to have been vaccinated. The regime has rejected multiple offers of vaccines, and this, along with a poor healthcare system and a limited capacity to test, makes people in North Korea incredibly vulnerable. Meanwhile, Beijing and Moscow have rejected a call by the United States for additional sanctions against North Korea over its ballistic missile program. At a meeting of the UN Security Council, they argued in favor of easing existing sanctions on humanitarian grounds. China's ambassador to the UN is Jiang Jun. Although the U.S. side verbally claims to be willing to engage in unconditional dialogue, when it comes to actions, it's continuing to tighten sanctions and exert pressure. This is clearly not constructive. The new draft resolution proposed by the U.S., evoking Chapter 7 of the Charter of the United Nations, is centered on furthering sanctions, which is not an appropriate way to address the current situation on the peninsula. The U.S. representative said a failure to punish Pyongyang was tantamount to giving it permission to continue its tests. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at uh, 19,620. That's 207 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $57 billion. In currencies, one U.S. dollar will buy you 129.79 yen. The euro is standing at one U.S. dollar and five cents. And the pound is worth nine Hong Kong dollars and 59 cents. To sport, and we start in the English Premier League, where Manchester City have taken another step toward the title. Worked it across, and Sterling was there to tap it in. Wolves 1, Manchester City 5, and it's another powerful performance from the Premier League leaders, the Premier League champions. Kevin De Bruyne has scored four times as City thrashed Wolves 5-1. to one. The Belgian midfielder completed a hat-trick inside 24 minutes at Molyneux. Manager Pep Guardiola was full of praise for De Bruyne, whose performance put City three points clear at the top. Quite often, the second part of the season, he made quite similar displays like today, but today scored four goals, and that would make me make make the performance uh, no worse. Unstoppable, brilliant, awesome, outstanding, so perfect. He has the ability to to create special things. 
Chelsea moved four points clear of Arsenal in the in third with a comfortable 3-0 win over 10-man Leeds. Mason Mount, Christian Pulisic, and Romelu Lukaku each had a goal. Leeds had Dan James sent off in the first half for a dangerous tackle on Mateo Kovacic, who had to leave the game early. Leeds remained third from the bottom in the final relegation spot. Everton are two points clear of the drop zone, following a goalless draw at already relegated Watford. Leicester City cruised to a 3-0 win over bottom side Norwich. Celtic have won the Scottish Premiership for the 10th time in 11 seasons after a one-all draw at Dundee United. It's a remarkable turnaround for Celtic, who finished 25 points behind Rangers last season. Now under manager Angie Postagoglu, they've restored themselves at the top with a game to spare. The result also means Dundee United will be playing European football next season in the Europa Conference League. Inter have won the Coppa Italia for the first time in 11 years after coming from behind to beat Juventus 4-2 in extra time. The BBC's John Bennett was at the game. A Coppa Italia final full of twists and turns. Inter took the lead after just six minutes when Barella's brilliant right foot shot whistled into the net. But Juventus piled on the pressure and the game turned on its head in the space of three minutes early in the second half. First, Maratta's flick squirmed in before Vlaovic finished a one-on-one after a Juve counter-attack. Then two controversial penalties changed the game back in Inter's favour. With 10 minutes to go, Chalanoglu made it 2-2 after De Ligt and Bonucci brought down Martinez. And in extra time, Perisic scored from the spot after another De Ligt foul and a VAR check. Perisic made sure of the win with a whip shot just moments later and the trophy was back in Inter's hands after an 11-year wait. In the NBA, the visiting Milwaukee Bucks rallied past the Boston Celtics 110 to 107 in their second round series to go 3 to 2 after game 5. And the Memphis Grizzlies kept their postseason hopes alive with a dominant 134 to 95 home home win to the Golden State Warriors, who lead that series 3 3 to 2. 3-2, excuse me. On the ice, the New York Rangers won 5-3 at home to the Pittsburgh Penguins to stay in the series. They now trail 3-2 after Game 5. The Florida Panthers won by the same score against the Washington Capitals to go 3-2 in front. And the Calgary Flames lead 3-2 over the Dallas Stars following a 3-1 victory in Canada. And taking a look at the weather... Cloudy to overcast with showers and squally thunderstorms. Showers will be heavy at times. Moderate to fresh south to southwesterly winds. The outlook occasionally heavy showers and squally thunderstorms tomorrow. The weather will remain unsettled over the weekend. Temperatures falling to slightly below 20 degrees early next week. Currently, the temperature is 27 degrees Celsius. Relative humidity, 89%. And that's the news from RTHK.
Welcome to the 123 show with me, Sadia Osmani. And on the show today, after 2 p.m., the dynamic duo are back with Chinwag. This week, uh, Yuki Jung and Christy Lai are ready to get up close and personal to look at the outward show of affection. Hmm. And then after 2.30, Andrew Dambina is artsing around with the latest local and global news from the art world. And since it's boring out there, and I don't know how many of you got soaked this morning, but I certainly did, I thought I should just go with the flow and not worry about the rain. So what I'm going to do is between now and two o'clock, I'm going to try and play as many tracks of music linked to rain and water. And, well, you can just guess. OK, so we're going to do that just after my first, after this next track anyway. So that is all coming up soon. Hope you enjoy it. And um, it might get a little bit wet in the studio here too because, you know, for music, but still enjoy it. <laughs> 